I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Uh, This is a extra fun podcast. They always are, but this was another in-person one, which is rare because we're in Santa Cruz, California. April lives at 555-555 if you want to stalk her. Come visit me. Yeah, come visit her. Uh, But we met with the lovely Alexis Lauren Ware uh, to talk all about wet. And it's perfect because we were wet with sweat because it's hot in Santa Cruz and we live on the coast. It's rarely ever this hot, but it's hot. Hot over here, and we were wet with sweat. Super wet. One of the notes I took was turn that pussy on. Yes. And wetness doesn't have to only be pertaining to your pussy. Exactly. Or arousal. Mm-hmm. And we also had two really cool songs that we referenced oh, in yeah. this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, the. the we song. can't tell. Oh, okay. You have to listen. It's going to okay. be. Yep. April sings sometimes. So you should listen. No, oh. I said one line. She said some lines and she has a fantastic voice. So this isn't just about having a wet pussy, though. This is about your whole being, your whole energy, your whole sexual energy being this aroused or pleasurable state and uh her coursework is called wet wet and i'm like you need to make an acronym out of that but we'll work on that one later i asked her i was like is that an acronym we should make an acronym out of that we'll work on that later some good acronym ideas but she's awesome and it was super fun yes we were sweating balls not balls we were sweating pussies in in the shameless sex studio over here and then april was dancing to various songs that you will hear on the podcast so you have to stay tuned and you can't leave us ever so uh you're stuck with us for life for Forever. All right, testimonial oh, sex. Okay, but first, I want to tell you one thing. Well, I touched it once. I touched it once. Okay, too. so here we go. Okay, testimonial. And this is also a, it's not really a sex question, it's a prompt. So this is from a listener, and I think they actually wrote this in December. So we're sorry for the late uh, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Okay. okay. This listener, and this is a, so well, it explains it. So shameless sex has been one of the top influences on my life. I'm a cis female, and I found shameless sex after slowly losing my libido over the past six years. I listened to every episode over the past year, and, and I have changed for the better because of it. I hated all your birth control episodes initially because I was terrified to ever get off birth control pills. But you you made me realize that it was likely the source of my lost libido. Word, me too. Mm-hmm. I figured I could ditch the birth control for a few minutes and see, few months and see how I feel. It's been three months and I'm not a hundred percent back, but I can feel things again. And sex is no longer a chore. I was numbed out. You've also taught me the correct verbiage to use to be inclusive to everyone, allowed me to drop any judgments society drills into my head about other sexual preferences and orientations, and you've made me realize that there's nothing wrong with me for being into rape fantasies. That's for me. Yes, uh, you're welcome. I like the gangbang. Yeah, I'm the gang. I was a gangbang or a taxi cab porn. Thank you so much for giving me the tools and education I will take with me for the rest of my shameless life. P.S. I would love to hear episodes on normalizing choosing a child-free life. So many people think kids are a default in life. And this person is from the Midwest, by the way. Wow. So wait, I almost, I'm not 
in tears, but I was like, oh, I am she gets, she, I'm a cleft. When, when April gets, so her love language definitely is words of affirmation. So this like, really, I didn't read this before. This is She so actually powerful. has tears in her eyes. I should be filming I'm her right so now. I'm so sweet. It's no, very I can't. Cute. And I oh think your God. dog just farted in my face, but that's okay. fine. That's <laughs> well, cool. Well, that's a side note. This is not smell audio. So that's no. great. I'm glad you guys can't smell this. Hopefully your mouth is closed. Yeah. Um, this is so, thank you. Thank you to this person. I am so absolutely, this is why we do what we do. And you, April, shared a lot on the podcast about losing your own libido with birth control and we've had other speakers speaking on it and I loved how this person was shamelessly said I didn't like him I didn't like when you were saying that and then I was like okay I'll just give it a try I thought I needed birth control always I thought that was just part of it because I had it from a, a young age and and I'm not an advocate for not having um, a, a contraceptive yeah, yeah like the contraception own choices right so it's not us ever preaching about that but giving people an idea of what else is out there besides taking a pill or or a hormonal form of birth control that yeah. can because my libido was fucked for a little while because of birth control for actually a long while especially if you're on it for a while then there's a recovery phase and and sometimes it's and we're not mds by the way by the way, and oh, what I got I, my MD over the weekend. You didn't realize that? Oh, you got your MD? Oh, yeah. April got a, a weekend MD. I didn't know they had weekenders. <laughs> she got a weekender PhD in DECA. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah, this is actually true. Uh, so, well, so I'm not a doctor, but I will say that about the birth control thing, that's not what we were actually here to talk about. I just want to share this testimonial, but talk about the child thing is that it's not just like, get off birth control is like not black or white or right or wrong or the this binary thing you know it could be like talk to your doctor and get on different birth controls or different forms of birth control different levels of the estrogen and I always wanted to say progesterone or progesterone and I always forget the words because as a sex educator my specialty is not birth control or STIs and STDs and the studies show it often lowers libido and the recovery rate can be a long wind depending on how long you've been on it. But coming to the non-question question on normalizing having a child-free life. So I don't think we can do a whole episode on this. No. But we can Nor talk about it. Nor do I think it. we should because I feel like... Uh, Some people will be upset. Yeah. But so what, what I want to normalize is people just don't want to have kids though. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's wonderful if you want children and fuck yeah if you don't, fuck yeah if you do. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we do live in a culture that's still like, I mean, I know people that I've met like, you really, you, you don't ever want to birth children? Oh, my mother, for instance, just was here. And oh, she's, uh, oh, she's on that train. She's, well, she was. And she's starting to now, she said, how's my grandson when she's talking about my dog? Yes. Yeah, how my mom is so with my dog. It, that's yeah. great. And if you're not a dog person, it could be a cat or a pet, large cockroach from various <laughs> regions of the world. Or a chicken. Or a chicken. And you can maternal instincts and aspects if you or or paternal instincts can come from many different avenues. And it's not that you have to birth a child. You can foster a child. You can adopt a child. If you don't want to birth a child, you don't have to have a child. Sometimes I feel like I am a parent to a lot of people and not, not well, you you're one of them, but myself, raising myself my too. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to be a parent to myself here. So, and you know, honestly, this is 
to normalize this, all, all I can say is, you know, we are with you in, in not, and, and we are also on board for people having kids too. We're not like in the stance of you should or shouldn't have kids, but realistically, like we are all so different and just as is, is with sexuality, it's so diverse. So should the desire to be married, to have children, to own a home, to travel to Jamaica, to, I mean, all, all these aspects, like we are so unique and individual and not every person with a vulva or a uterus wants to have a child or and not all of them can. Also, there's a lot that would like to and cannot, too. So this is and that's hard for a lot of folks. This also within my own community of women that I have spend a lot of my life with has been a huge rupture a lot of times because some some of my best friends want children and aren't in the space they haven't been able to to have them or uh, hasn't been the right time the right partner and uh, my heart goes out to anyone out there that does want children and isn't at the point where the is either physiologically or they just aren't having them because it it is sad if you want those that to procreate and you can't yeah and for me it has been a choice and I'm grateful for vasectomies because I can fuck my partner who has a vasectomy and not be on birth control yeah and I'm a huge advocate for that but they have kids so uh, these are yes, people that do. already have had children too yes. and that was you know their previous life choice you know we've only come into their lives in the last number of years and uh, and so we're not preaching again we're not preaching vasectomies although we are going to do a vasectomy episode at some point in the future but we're not preaching this we're not preaching have children we're not preaching don't have children we're preaching you as long as it abides by consent and it's your truth you do that and that's perfectly fine and beautiful and wonderful and you don't have to go and do anything else otherwise again consent 100% important and your truth 100% important but otherwise like you do you and we need a diversity of humans in this world it's it's just like we're all doing the fucking same thing one it would be boring two we'd have too many humans so it's just like it's totally 100% normal and I'm I'm appreciating this person pointing that out or at least inviting us to normalize it as you know two women who have chosen not to have children in our entire lives and we've never had moments and where who we're knows? like I really want to have kids I could be 50 and be like fuck I really want a child I could change my mind in five exactly. years exactly and yeah. I want to speak to that because if you are into being child free right now to this person that wrote this sex question and that changes in three to five years or two months from now that's okay we're humans we're evolving and ever changing and that's okay too uh there's so, also people who have children who wish they didn't have children uh, so yes that too yes so. yes i will speak to that yes. on another episode yeah it'll be another episode of, but we'll just... uh, these are the days of our lives yeah, so just um, the diversity of all of this though and so there, there's nothing abnormal about someone not wanting to have kids and there is nothing abnormal about someone who who they feel like their life goal is to have kids i don't want to be normal though so i'm I feel like I'm golden. I prefer that. abnormal. Yeah, me too. I prefer being I like unique being and weird and odd. All right. And- you re- you're always <laughs> naked. I see your vulva regularly. Right now? Can you see it now? No, no. No? All right. Can we we're going to a bio. Are you ready for a bio? Do you want to touch it? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't touch it once or ever. That's not consensual. See, that's not what consent is. That's exactly. coercion. That's exactly. coercion. It's wrong. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Alexis Ware is an energy expert and life strategist who specializes in restructuring subconscious belief systems to amplify the power of love, connection, creative expression, and deeper enjoyment of life, sex, and relationships. Alexis is a licensed acupuncturist, kundalini yoga teacher, 
theta healing expert, desire and intimacy coach, and the founder of Southern University. And if you don't know how to spell it, don't worry. You can go to our website and check it out. <laughs> to learn more, visit southern-university.com. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we were just talking about how we should start this with the wet-ass pussy song. Uh, how does it go, April? What, what is it? You've been messing with some wet-ass ass pussy. pussy. <laughs> but you can say fucking with some wet-ass pussy, Oh, my pussy God, we're the A-team, Alexis, April, and Amy. Uh, yes. Yes. Triple A. a triple A. Talking about wet-ass pussies, although we're not just talking about wet pussies. But, um, you know, we'll see what we're talking about here. Uh, but we ha- we were just saying that there should be an intro. Are you talking intro. about cats making, taking showers, right? That's what we're talking yes. about? Yes. <laughs> okay. Cat I was cats. just making sure. Yes. Okay. Gatos in uh, the shower. Perfect. <laughs> you know cats love that. The cats love showers. <laughs> Um, so this podcast is actually in person. Once again, we, we've been really fortunate in the last couple of weeks to have in-person recordings, which are so much more fun. And to all of you who we recorded who are not in person, we love you. But you can actually like feel the energy and start dancing to wet ass pussy here. Like right now, is, you know, there's no video, but April and Alexis are dancing on the couch to wet ass pussy. So, <laughs> so yeah, we love doing in-person recordings. Um, and so you already heard about Alexis in the bio. Uh, we're talking about wet and reclaiming your wetness and what does that mean um and i have a feeling it's not just about a wet ass pussy so um alexis can you please start by telling our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality yeah i would love to it's been a pretty roundabout journey um as feminine orgasm tends to be (laughs) a lot of like ups and downs and backwards and forwards uh my partner calls me whack-a-mole because it's like (laughs) if you know what whack-a-mole is but it's like always changing it's like where are you now where are you now totally (laughs) Yeah. yeah so i grew up in a very religious home not christian but not allowed to have sex before marriage. And there was a lot of shame around sexuality, fear of men, fear of sex, sexual trauma. Um, And so I lived much of my adult life um, disconnected from my own sexual pleasure. And I'm sure this is a story that a lot of women are familiar with. Like I'm a Scorpio. I identified as being really amazing at sex, (laughs) but it was all about pleasing my partner. Mm. And I wasn't really connected to what I was feeling. And um, it was in 2013 when I was already a practicing acupuncturist and energy healer that I stumbled upon orgasmic meditation. Mm. And oh, also is oming also known as oming yes, yes. and om changed my life mm. and really helped me to begin to learn how to feel what was happening in my body in the moment and start to wake up my own pleasure and uh learn that sex isn't as you talk about a lot i'm sure about reaching a, a goal um it's about the the journey and the experience Mm. And up until I found Ohm, like many women, I had a lot of difficulty climaxing during sex. In fact, I only had two partners my whole adult life until age 35 that I climaxed with, Mm. whether it was penetration, oral, finger stimulation, didn't matter. What about solo? Solo, I had no problem. Okay. 
but it was, I think a lot of the, the religious shame around sex and masturbation and pleasure that would like somehow come into play when I was with another person, it was like harder to just relax and let go. And also a lot of that is what I teach now. It's like learning how to let go of control. So fear of going out of control and, um, is that safe to go out of control? Um, so yeah. I feel like so many people's intro journey is it was really hard <laughs> and I was really confused or, or I just didn't know. I didn't know. That's what yeah. people just assume things are a specific way and that's the way it is. And not, not necessarily because your parents said so, or your sister or your brothers or your friends, you just sometimes think, Oh, I see this even in the, I feel like I was raised on TV and I thought, especially watching Pretty Woman, uh, <laughs> Fatal Attraction, uh, Top Gun, Melrose Place, all of those '80s movies that it was going to be s- this sexual igniting of two bodies, simultaneous orgasms. Yeah, they're going to fall in love, and then and th- they never really showed orgasms in any of those things. But it was always the specific way that I thought sex was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And unlike you, unfamiliar with oming, mm-hmm. so I'm curious to learn about that. And I have a question coming. I too, though, in relation to partnered orgasms never had them I always I thought that every penis owner I was with I was not I don't want to say supposed to because that sounds so wrong now in my own in my 40 year old brain but that's what I was oh I'll get them off and I know how to get myself off which I'll do in private by myself hidden in a closet somewhere after they go to sleep or after they leave right Are you really in a closet I mean maybe sometimes. I'm just trying it's to get the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I still sometimes masturbate in my closet. Just <laughs> I, want, I don't want to draw the blinds down. I'm really? Like, so I go in my closet because it's like quiet in there and I feel like my, I don't want my dog to see it's sometimes. It's like a nice, oh my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm like, ledge dog, I got the vibrator oh out. Just chill. Oh my God. So, oh my God. You so and I are so, just... that's hilarious. I'll totally use the vibrator right next to my dog. I'm like, you're cool, right, buddy? All right. Yeah, cool. I, I use it next to him. Sometimes I just feel like he, he gives me the look of judgment which I have time with. So coming to my question, because I do relate to this so much and I'm so interested about your journey. But first, let's get to, in your opinion, why is it important to connect or reconnect to our genitalia? Yeah, Bits. absolutely. So I didn't actually even know that I was disconnected from my genitalia before I reconnected with my genitalia. <laughs> when I went to my, I think, first or second weekend of my orgasmic meditation coaching program, when I was learning to be an orgasmic meditation coach and trainer in 2013, I sat down on a couch during a break next to my friend Rochelle, and she was talking about how she was feeling all of these sensations in her pussy all of the time. And I was, I was brand new to oming to orgasmic meditation. I was like, wait a minute, what? I was like, wait, you're feeling sensations in your pussy, like not during sex, but just like all the time. She was like, yeah, I'm feeling them right now while we're sitting here on this couch. And I was like, like, I thought it only happened when I wear tight jeans. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, yeah, I can feel a ton of fluttering and electricity and pulsing. And I was like, huh? And it was like a whole world opened up before my eyes that I didn't even know was possible. And what I've discovered through my deep dive with orgasmic meditation, which basically looked like three years of having my clitoris stroked for 15 minutes, at least one time a day, seven days a week. Awesome. I was basically like an orgasmic meditation monk, like an orgasmic
orgasm month. Yeah. Like we live this lifestyle of just like awesome. um, waking up, uh, doing seated meditation, practicing orgasmic meditation, writing through inventory. Like with your own finger though, or someone else? Someone else. Okay. A, oh. Orgasmic meditation is a partnered practice. Okay. Got okay. it. Yeah. Okay. It's always done with a partner. So through that practice, I started to feel sensation in my own pussy first during the ohm, during the 15 minutes of stroking, there is a period that you go through of like actually just kind of being numb and, you know, not really feeling much sensation at all because either the nerve endings on the clit have maybe been overstimulated by too much pressure, too much speed, um, vibrators, or they, your clit has just never gotten that kind of attentive touch before. So it just hasn't ever been woken up. So you go through these phases in your orgasmic meditation journey of like numbness and then kind of like pain actually, as mm -hmm. the nerve endings start to wake up. And then I started to feel more sensation in my pussy and the whole rest of my body during the ohms. And then what happens is that it just turns your pussy on in a way that it doesn't turn back off oh so even outside of the ohms like i remember the the first week that i was oming regularly i drove um i was staying at the ohm house in venice and i had my morning practice a few days in a row and this was the first time i ever omed regularly and i was driving on like the, the second day to learn vedic meditation and it was like a 10, 15 minute drive in Venice. And I'm like driving in my car and all of a sudden I'm feeling all this sensation in my pussy, like as if someone was stroking me while I was driving. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Am I going to crash my car? And so it's, it's like, it just wakes up this whole world of pleasure and sensation that's available all of the time that when you're not connected to it, you just literally don't even know it exists and you don't know that you're disconnected. But when you're connected, the reason why I love to share this technology with women is, and I do share it with, with vulva bearers in particular is because once that wakes up that ability to feel the sensation it is like a superpower mm. because mm -hmm. the pussy will always tell you what is turning you on and what is not yeah it can read truth it can tell when someone is saying something that's actually dissonant or not congruent so it's like you develop this extra sensory perception that is your pussy yeah that is sixth sense <laughs> well, exactly. now we actually now we know. know and this, this is, so you know there's like the whole thing about like penis owners thinking with their cocks and it's almost like i love you penis owners not mocking you but it's like why are you always gonna think with your dick you know but like but there you know there's this intuitive part of the body that is trying to give us signals and some are related to hormones and they're like must fuck must fuck but you're so you're saying this is more of a deeper intuition that can go beyond just sex is where this knowledge can go oh absolutely yeah once we connect to the the physical body and especially to the pussy and are able to feel sensation it really tunes us into what we desire, what we like, what we dislike, what um, what we're attracted to, and basically just makes all of life more pleasurable. Mm. So mm -hmm. I could be sitting here having this conversation with you both, and I could be sitting here cross-legged with my genitals contracted and like only paying attention up here. Like I'm opening my, my legs neck. as you say yeah. that. I'm not wearing any underwear. I'm sorry, Kelsey. Yeah. No, don't She's like, ah, do you mind? And I could just be very heady. And maybe you two might not know, but I would 
be experiencing something different than when my legs are open and my genitals are relaxed and I can actually feel them and I let them relax and feel sensation. And so then I'm, I'm here and I'm in my body. I'm more connected to the moment and I'm not just in my head. Mm. And it wakes up this whole world of pleasure that we can move through life in this pleasurable way, as opposed to just when we enter the bedroom. Are you pulsing? Or the closet? So are you pulsing your pelvic floor muscles to kind of awaken this? If you're driving in the car, you're like, I'm going to get the blood flowing by, and maybe we're going to get to this. I didn't read, but I'm curious to know the sensations or if it's just felt without even activating the pelvic floor. If you're just like, I can feel the sensations of my outer and inner labia yes. and slight left quadrant yes. of the torus, upper mid You do section. know about orgasmic meditation. The, the left side of my cervix. I'm, I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, orgasmic meditation is always about the left side. But okay, but anyways. Yeah. That's our side of intuition. Yeah. But is that my intuitive side? What's, yes, the, what's the moon and sun side of our bodies? Isn't there like a moon sign? Your mom. Hi, mom. Your mom. Left is feminine, right is masculine. Okay. All right. There you go. Makes sense. Rub the left side of my clitoris. Thank you. (laughs) Well, the upper left-hand quadrant of the clit has the highest number of nerve endings. So Ah. the highest potential for electrical stimulation. Interesting. So that's why they focus on that one spot in particular. And this is for everyone. This is not just like right-handed, left-handed people. It's different. Like for for most folks, this is the case. This is the case. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So in answer to your question, April, there is nothing that you are trying to do. Okay. It just starts happening. And your pussy is contracting. As though you were maybe having just done Kegels, but it's just doing it on its, she's doing it on her own. She's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't listen to anyone. Do y'all ever do this thing? So this is like such a tangent, but we're going off of tangents because we're in person. We can. Do you ever do this thing when you're having sex? So like maybe, so maybe in, I'm going to be inclusive. Like you have a dildo in you, you have a vibrator in you, or you have a cock in you or fingers. Do you ever do this thing where you imagine your pussies swirling around? the the phallus of whatever's inside of you have you ever done this like a cyclone no. like a cyclone but like now I, I want i learned to. this in meditation in a, not from my pussy but more from like your root ch- your root chakra but like you know there like a guided meditation where you cycle you're cy- circling down when i think clockwise downward into the earth this is such a the tangent but i'll bring it to the pussy in a second and then you circle back up where it's so like one part of you is circling down to the core of the earth and another part of you circles up to the, like the skies above and then you feel this whole cycle and sometimes when I'm having sex, I'll actually just imagine, I'm not doing anything other than just imagining my pussy actually circling around the cock, and I swear to God, it like sends them off into more powerful And then T-Pain comes on it's like, she's yeah. moving body like a cyclone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, seriously, This is going to be a musical episode. I'm all <laughs> real, about energetic sex. Yeah. I love energetic sex. Yeah. I get powerful. off so hard on energetic sex. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm talking about, it's not so much like trying to do anything or trying to focus on anything. It's actually kind of the opposite. Mm. It's like, let it just letting everything go, like not trying to do anything, not trying to get anywhere and just being present with what is. Mm. And that's actually like the, the beauty of orgasm and sensation is it's just a moment of pure presence. Mm. And what I learned through orgasmic meditation is how to bring that into my sex. So leading up to finding Om, because I was never climaxing in sex, 
I was always chasing climax and always feeling like there was something wrong with me or I was broken or I was too difficult or too much work. And a lot of that, granted, there's, you know, so many factors at play. Maybe there's like the skill level of the partners that I was with and whether they had, you know, learned anatomy and explored Tantra and all of that stuff. And on top of that, though, there's my programming my conditioning, my insecurities, my fears, right? So if I don't feel comfortable having attention put on me because I don't feel worthy of it, I'm actually going to be up in my head the whole time that a partner is attempting to gift me pleasure and it's going to be harder for me to receive it. So what I learned through OM was actually how to just be in my body, how to just stay how to come down from my head and just be present to what I'm feeling in the moment. And if something isn't feeling good, I'm assuming you kind of, I I don't like making assumptions, however, (laughs) because sometimes maybe there is a trauma space or something that has, uh, that feels more painful or it doesn't feel as good as you want to. Do you speak to that or do you kind of rest within your body space and let it flow through you and get to the next level yeah. where you're not trying to go, but where you are? Yeah. So in orgasmic meditation, one of the, the coolest things that happened for me is letting go of the idea that orgasm is the point of climax mm-hmm. and expanding my definition of orgasm to include all the sensation that I feel. I love that. I love when yeah, I continue, but I love when orgasm isn't just climax and some contractions of genitals. Yeah, exactly. And in that, it what that means is that if there's a moment when I'm feeling pain, whether that's physical pain, because maybe there's some trauma or there's some tightness and something is getting released, or whether that's emotional pain from an emotional trauma coming up, to just be with that. And that that can actually be encompassed by or enveloped by orgasm, Mm. that that is included. It's not bad. It's not worse than it's not lesser because it's not pleasure. It is. It's what's true and it's what's real. And therefore, it's orgasm. And so I'm going to bring this. This is two questions all in one, because my understanding is the, you know, the nerve receptors. I'm going to not say because I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but the the same places where we experience pleasure, we experience pain in our body. And so there's a great overlap in these these pieces of and hence why some people really enjoy pain and pain can be pleasurable for some some folks. And and I've experienced that for sure with things I thought were uncomfortable or painful, and then they turned into pleasure and I've seen them switch and alter. And so. So I'm going to transition that into the uh, question about sexual trauma and how my guess is for a lot of folks who have sexual trauma, this has shifted their experience with their connection to their genitals for penis owners, vulva owners, all, all of the bits. But so how does sexual trauma affect one's connection to their sexuality and and then in, in especially in regards to the connection to their own genitals? Yeah. And I, I can speak as someone who has experienced sexual trauma as Um, unfortunately, the majority of women have, sexual trauma tends to create dissociation from the body. So in a moment of sexual trauma, we often leave our body, we go into freeze um, frequently, not always, but 
often go into freeze. And it's almost like a part of us gets locked or or frozen in time there in that spot and sometimes we lose access to feeling more sensation in the body or feeling our emotions we numb out to protect ourselves and so a lot of what I do with my work is helping to clear that past trauma so that we can actually feel safe to feel more sensation in the body by being present and staying in the body and not checking out and leaving so like getting out of the the freeze you're like that old frozen state that may have been around for 20 30 years exactly and we're not necessarily talking about physiological things that maybe both it could be emotionally tied as well because i wanted to bring a a piece in so i have i had an accident a sexual accident that i never considered trauma it was a sex accident when i was 17 and my labia my outer labia was ripped in half my left labia was ripped in half so it was painful for me to have any sort and i was a humper like i loved to hump things I was humping bears. Not live bears, teddy bears. No, 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 never, never live. Uh, And so for a long time, and granted, I had never experienced orgasm with a partner because masturbation had been the only way I'd experienced orgasm. So when I think of sexual trauma, I tend to go, my brain tends to go to people that have been, you know, victims of sexual violence, but really when it comes to trauma that could even be childbirth that your pussy's experiencing uh and and or just or some sort or of cons- i fell in a cons- balance beam or, yeah. yeah or consensual acts of of like sex what ha- where what i'm to me yeah yours or or, or being compliant sex where mm. i it was still i still said yes and i was going with it, it wasn't terrible right but it didn't feel that good but, yeah but i had suffered from painful sex so i almost was this trauma that i held on to and i just also not connecting to my pussy because i thought it was Scarface and ugly for a long time and so I was like oh my god I don't even want to look at it it's so gross I called it 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 was gross it took me a long time for me to understand that what had happened was a trauma and even though um, I wasn't a victim of of, of, like a violent act of sexual which was every everything that happens to our bodies especially when they're not consensual is is significant but i didn't think of it as trauma because it was a consensual thing but i had to get stitched up and yeah. it still was a trauma it was trauma yeah. so yeah what do you suggest for someone is let's say childbirth mm-hmm. happened and they're they had a, an episiotomy which is when they they cut the the area between your anus yeah. and your and your it's like your perineum or basically. you're having sex and your or, labia gets ripped or you're having mm-hmm. sex and your labia gets ripped so what do you suggest for folks like like us out there yeah thank you so much us dog moms who've never had children (laughs) (laughs) and for that question yeah i was actually with ian the other day and he was wearing the sweatshirt that says oh the shameless sex one go slow and then go slower than that and slower than slow and i was like what is that and he was like oh this is actually amy this is the shameless sex podcast (laughs) yes so i'm all about slow Right. So a lot of times when there's trauma, we can sometimes just um, close the door and just be like, I'm a no or I won't go there. I can't go there. It's not safe for me to go there. Or we keep saying yes to things and it keeps not feeling good. It kind of keeps re-traumatizing. So what I would say is go really, really slow. Mm. slower than you would even believe that's why ever it's slower than slow and slower possible. than that yeah. yeah and actually one of the things that i i teach in wet is a self-pleasure practice that's um kind of based in what i learned from orgasmic meditation around being just totally and completely present to what you're feeling and not trying to get anywhere mm. so rather than having a partner stroke you like in ohm stroking yourself that way 
and actually meeting your pussy like it's for the first time every single time you get on the mat. And I really do think of it like getting on the mat. Like when like I go to class. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when I did this uh, self-pleasure practice leading up to when I taught the first round of wet, I did it every single day for 30 days, whether I wanted to or not. And mm. often I didn't want to, because when we go in without a goal and with that willingness to meet our pussy right where she is, it can sometimes take a long time for her to open. And we don't always want to dedicate that amount of time, got you know, to do, got things to, to do, go. got, <laughs> you know, podcasts to record yeah. and, you know, books to write and like all kinds emails, of things, emails, lots e- of emails, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, I, what I recommend is, is this practice of really meeting your pussy with that level of attention and precision to really feel what does she need? And when we meet her there, what ends up happening is a lot of emotions tend to come up because a lot of what's gotten like kind of stored and trapped in that trauma starts to thaw out and we we let let it go as emotion i'm just going to tangent this on what up is the same apply to penises with trauma you know penises that have experienced sexual trauma in or, some some way or what about or physical trauma yes yeah circumcision right or yeah various things like would it be a, a similar practice for a penis i know that your work is mostly vulva yeah. owners but what, what do you think about that yeah i actually in the future want to design and create a program that's similar to what for men and i just wanted to start with women first because i am a vulva bearer so yeah. i know this experience the most um and it's easiest for me to talk about it because i've I've, you know, had this experience. And what I can say is from my understanding, without being a cock bearer myself, mm-hmm. um, it would be the same. Yeah. That if uh, there is trauma to meet the cock um, with that level of presence, because I think um, just as, you know, women were missing that being touched with that level of precision and attunement because the clit is so small and it's all slippery and it's like moving around and the hood's going over it. And it's like, but well, it's a lot bigger because there's a lot more to it than when yeah, you can no, see. No, totally, yeah, totally. The external yeah. clit. Yeah. The yeah, external yeah. clit. Totally. So at the same time as we tend to not get that kind of touch that we might be craving to really have these like deep healing and surrender and like opening experiences, I think a lot of men are missing it too because because, you know, it's like the cock, it's just there. It's like, oh, just stroke it you right know, fast now. and hard yeah. and like make it come. And it's like, it's not so much about like cock, like I like cock worship. Yeah. You know, like Ooh, some cock listeners right now are like, <laughs> and I would like to go work with this lady, Alexis. <laughs> That's hot. Yeah, for sure. Or, or we'll talk about like the difference between a hand job and erotic massage or mm. like, you know, or a healing session with your own pussy versus I'm just going to like get off right so, now. And massaging do you last piece sorry because i think i've heard castor oil when we've worked with sexological body workers i know that if you're pregnant that is not supposed to be used because that you can have miscarriages if you use castor mm-hmm. oil during pregnancy but i have a thought that it, it can help with scarring because yeah. i had physical yes. an actual physical scar that was that hurt because the nerve endings were affected so if you've had an episiotomy i'm sure yes. you could also use um castor, castor oil, oil is or, great okay. for um helping to reduce scarring it's also very messy it's like so thick and goopy yeah it's like Um, molasses i've heard i haven't used it myself but i've heard that wheat germ oil can Uh also be really good for scarring so that's something to look into and see if maybe if, if it's compatible with the pussy or not okay yeah i like that 
Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of our amazing sponsors like UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant that can enhance your sex and intimacy. UberLube's unique formula is velvety, long-lasting, with no flavor or scent, and it feels absolutely incredible on the body. There are thousands of doctors recommending UberLube to their patients because it's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. So whether you want to make your hot sex even hotter, or you want to prevent dryness, take our advice and check out our favorite go-to, UberLube. UberLube isn't just for sex. I use it for massage, to tame my frizzy hair, to prevent chafing, even for oral sex sessions. I love how it comes in a beautiful bottle with a pump top for easy access, appearing more like a cosmetic product so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. UberLube is without a doubt my favorite lube and countless listeners agree, often stating, we never knew lube could be this good. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com. OMGS combines scientific research of real Volvo owners so you can learn shame-free techniques on how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied 20,000 plus people of all ages and turned the research into animated modules, short videos, and beautiful infographics that are tasteful and easy to understand. Whether you want to learn about external pleasure, internal stimulation, or techniques with toys, OMGS can help you master vulva pleasure. Let me tell you, I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives because knowledge really can activate your pleasure power. OMGS is for anyone who cares about vulva pleasure and wants to take it to the next level. OMGS can help you become a sexual strategist by equipping you with the tools you need to unlock your pleasure potential. Plus, your OMGS purchase helps fund more pleasure research. OMG, that's great. Only pay once and these techniques are yours forever. That's right. This is not a subscription service and you don't need to download a thing. So go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off when you purchase any OMGS season. Again, go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Time to pursue your pleasure. And now back to the show. So I'm curious about this wetness piece here. So we're talking about reclaiming wetness and turn on. And so it's, so we decide it's arousal non-concordance, right? Yes. So this is, yes. This is from, we, we learned from Emily Nagowski from Come As You Are, where um, our bodies might not be uh, showing this the same signs that we would think go with arousal, mm-hmm. but we might be aroused or vice versa. Mm-hmm. We, I could be perfectly wet and not be aroused or I could be aroused and not wet. And there's so many factors that come into play, whether I'm an antihistamines, I personally have blocked glands, uh, Bartholin's glands that mm-hmm. are uh, responsible for vaginal lubrication. And there's been many things that can SSRIs to that. where you're like, or uh, people on SSRIs, right, just nothing's yeah. happening. Yeah. And there's just so many things, stress, all hormones, postmenopause. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All these, all these pieces. So when, so your, your program is called wet, but when we're reclaiming our wetness and turn on, you know, what is this? Is it actually about wetness? Mm. I may assume no, but I love this question. 
um, it encompasses wetness, yes. physiological wetness. And you are correct that it is not limited to physiological wetness. So it's turn on that can be felt anywhere in the body, a thumping heart, like heat flush um, in the face. It can be turn on for life. Like I'm excited. I'm passionate. Like I wake up and I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I'm alive. Like what am I going to do today? It's like that is all encompassed in, underneath the umbrella of the wetness tears. and wet. If you're cr- crying. crying. Yes. That I, was what I was thinking. It was like, oh, absolutely. That's yes. That is wet. Yes. Actually, yeah. one of the the Instagram posts that I made was like, your your tears are no less worthy of uh, adoration than your pussy's wetness. Ooh, write that down, Chip. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> she already has that one. That's a good. I know, I know, but we have to requote that because that's brilliant. And I actually started receiving uh, wet. Like I, I really feel like I received it. Like it's not something that I created per se, but it was gifted to me during a time, a moment in my life when I was in a deep, deep surrender pose. So my boyfriend had just broken up with me. I had to move out of my apartment and I got COVID all at the same time. The trifecta. Yeah, the trifecta. (laughs) It was through that massive letting go that I experienced this incredible surge of turn on that both translated to excitement about life and possibility and passion. And then also my pussy was just fucking wet around the clock. And, um, And so I was like, I, I want to share this with, with women. I want to share this with other people, what it's like to be able to alchemize pain into pleasure mm. and to be in such a deep state of surrender that it's bliss, that it's like, it's that connection with oneness of, of all life. And this might be getting too woo woo, but <laughs> no, it's, it's applicable though. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Of the, the pleasure of actually not needing to get my way the Mm. pleasure of things not going according to plan or right and letting go of what I thought I needed to have in order to feel good and recognizing like sinking into a deeper layer of trust with life is that like hitting rock bottom and then you're like well you know I'm I'm down here and it's hard and I can either hang out here in misery or I can look at like this is one aspect of life or many aspects and life is full of pain and sadness and shame and joy and orgasms and all the things like is it similar to that where you kind of hit the pits and you're like okay here's a turning point to be able to feel everything as as a part of aliveness yes it's it's similar to that except i would say there's one slight difference which is like we tend to have when we think about hitting rock bottom we have a negative association or connotation like that's bad You've hit your rock bottom. Yeah. You it can't get any worse than this. Whereas from this perspective, it's like actually feeling the pleasure in that place. Mm, rock bottom pleasure. Yes. Ah, interesting. Yes. This Actually, like, after you fight, though, sometimes, sorry, but, yeah. right? You have really fucking cranked up hot sex, and you're like, An- oh, angry that? sex? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, whoa. Well, and, and I kind of like our last, pleasure? Well, our last podcast, we, we, we were with Willow, Dr. Willow Brown and Leah Piper, and I was talking about how some of my transcendent orgasms. Uh, were when I was being, someone was leaving me, you know, I was, mm. the relationship was potentially on the rocks or ending or ended. Yes, yes. And all of a sudden I was able to go off in this in, I think there's a part like less strings attached. And then also like, you know, there's these other pieces like my, every 
I'm feeling everything right now. I'm feeling sadness and pain and pleasure and, and all these pieces. And it, then it was an ecstatic experience. Yes. Yes. And it's so interesting that you brought that up because during that time after the breakup and some time in between what came into my existence, into my sphere, I started working on creating it, writing the content for it. I started having sex again with that X oh. and it was the same exact thing. The it transcendent kind of, or what just you- so hot. Yeah. So on. And that's not the first time that that's happened. And so what is that? It's like we get to go outside of the prescribed box of this is what our relationship is. This is what it looks like. This is what our sex is like. All of a sudden, the rules of the game change. Yeah. All those, you know, the prescriptions, they get taken off and all of a sudden you can just play and be and it's free. And so that's actually a lot of what wet is about. It's like reclaiming our wetness and our permission to be and feel wet both in our pussy physiologically and in our lives from where we've outsourced it and where we've been taught to outsource it by mainstream society. So I'm supposed to look this way before I'm allowed to feel sexy. Mm -hmm. I should lose this 10 to 15 pounds before I can feel good in my body. I'm so focused on thinking about what I look like during sex that I can't even get into my body and feel pleasure because I'm like, do I look fat as he's seeing this, you know, sag or this stretch mark or whatever, you know, like all the places that we've been trained and conditioned as women in particular to, um, place our, um, our turn on outside of ourselves and have to like get it back from like win it back. Mm. So like, if I do this, if I perform this way, if I show up this way, if I look this way, if I dress this way, then I'm allowed to feel good and turned on in my life. And if I don't check all those boxes, then I'm supposed to, you know, oh, who am I to feel sexy right now? Like, that's the programming piece. It's the programming piece. Because we have a a little piece about programming. And especially for any folks out there like me, I feel feel very mainstream when it comes to woo stuff. I, I I feel like I'm a hybrid because I live in Santa Cruz and I am exposed to it a lot more than someone that came from Wisconsin or Chicago or Maine or wherever. Or maybe Maine is actually quite wooey uh so, so i don't Some know people. okay so giving this programming an upgrade because let's face it we have all these apps to make us look pretty when we're taking selfies we've got if you if you are taking photos for your engagement or your children they'll touch up photos right so how do we upgrade this programming um that we that a lot of folks especially vulva owners and i know it's the same for penis owners out there right. because i i have uh uh, people in my family that are just as insecure about themselves and they own penises. Right. So uh, how do we adjust and move through this? And then I have a second question after that that's actually flipping the script to something else that well, I want to talk about. And what I'll add to that is yep. just body sh- body shame in body general. Shame. Yeah. That's like the, just the idea of body shame, which be, I think so many people And you've also been skinny with. shamed because we body yes. shaming a lot of times. There's all kinds of shaming. People talk about yeah. body shame in one direction, but I know I've been body shamed before about eat a fucking burger or something. And I'm like, whoa, bro, like how do you know like how do you know about me and my life like let's calm down about yeah. this so yeah. it's all directions of body shaming and yeah yeah it requires a massive amount of deconditioning and then re reconditioning so um sounds like a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> It can be, and it can also be fun, and it can be yeah. an experiment, and it can be a game, you know? Like, And then the rewards, I'm sure, are fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So, like, for example, like, I, I came here today thinking that we were doing video. Oh. And I <laughs> didn't wear a stitch of makeup. 
Yeah, because I've already, oh, thank you. <laughs> I've already deconditioned myself from that programming that as mm. women, in order to be worthy of being heard or receiving attention, that we need to pretty ourselves up and decorate our faces to attract attention to ourselves by our looks. I'm like, no, like I don't need, I don't need to do that. When I did my pro, my first promo shoot, my photography shoot for wet, I was basically wearing like a sack. Like I had no makeup on. <laughs> I had not done my hair and I was wearing like a like, potato sack. Like, I mean, it was a nice sack. Oh, it was nice. a very it's nice like sack. A, like a but it's just like dress. a very no. drapey romper thing that like didn't show any skin, didn't show any of my shape. And I did that kind of on purpose um, because what I'm teaching in wet is learning how to take back our wetness and our turn on from having to fit these prescribed roles as women in society mm. and having to, you know, check off any boxes and do anything. No, just reclaim it right now. Like right now, even if I'm premenstrual, even if I'm bloated, even if I'm on my moon, even if I have a zit on my face, I'm still worthy of being connected to my pussy and feeling my turn on. Ah, so it's more like, so you can have all these things, but you're coming back to yourself and your pussy and your own essence and not like thinking about all the outside, like, oh, they're seeing the zip, but like, okay, you're seeing the zip. April sees my zip, but how about my pussy? <laughs> what up, girl? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, you, we're good? Okay, cool. Yeah. And I know that there are all kinds of experts in every field. Like there could be a woman who could come on this podcast and teach about how to clear up your skin so you can feel better about Probably yourself. Probably wouldn't happen on our show, but. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe not this podcast, but you know, there's, there's all different kinds of experts, right? So somebody could come in and help with like metabolic weight loss. And like, I support all of that. I'm not against elevating our physical body in whatever way feels good to us. I'm just for disconnecting where it got wound up that we have to look or present a certain way before we're allowed to feel turned on about mm. ourselves and like really let our turn on flow outward. And honestly, like a lot of why women tend to suppress our turn on is because it hasn't been safe. When we look at history, it's really not that long ago that women were being burned at a stake, mutilated, having all these horrible things happen to still them. Still happens some places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, you know, being sexually expressed, maybe having sex with someone outside of their marriage, right? It's not in our distant Maybe being past. raped while they were married. Exactly. exactly. Still happens in some places. Still does yeah. So there's a way that that is just hanging out in the collective field. Mm -hmm. And we're picking up on it all of the time, even if it's not at a very conscious level. And that has us tend to suppress our turn on because we, we could get in trouble for it. Somebody could rape us if we're too turned on in public, right? So there's all these reasons, all these layers of conditioning that I use this one particular, well, uh, actually a lot of the modalities that I use are designed to help decondition. Mm. In fact, most of them. So theta healing, it's working with reprogramming the subconscious belief systems. Okay, so I want to talk about that because yeah. coming from a space of having no idea what you're fucking talking yeah. about, could you help me out <laughs> totally. Just in case anyone else out there is with me. Yes. So theta healing, it's a quote unquote energy healing modality that works with the theta brainwave. It's like Reiki is another form of energy healing. Reiki is a form of energy probably healing. probably maybe more people know about. Exactly. And, okay. Exactly. And people That's extent who of my woe, sorry. are no. practicing <laughs> Reiki and receiving Reiki tend to be in the alpha brainwave. And people who are practicing theta healing go into the theta brainwave, which is, is where like we deeper? go. It's slower. When okay. I listen to my deeper, binaural beats at exactly. night. Exactly. I know this. I need to do where binaural we go beats. when we're dreaming. Yeah. And so it's oh. a bridge to the subconscious mind. And science, this is actually not woo-woo. Like science has proven and shown that um, most of our subconscious 
brain gets programmed by what's happening in our family, in society, in our culture, in our environment between the ages of zero and six. Oh, yeah. And science has also proven that the subconscious mind is responsible for about 95% of our behavior. So if we learned in childhood between zero and six, that it's not safe for me to be turned on, that I have to be suppressed, like I'm going to get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. We're running on that programming unless we use something to decode and decondition it. So we might want consciously to have super expressed sex and to feel really liberated sexually, but there can be this subconscious part of our brain that's like, that's not okay. You can't do that. That's not safe. So theta healing is one of a few modalities that can actually get in and access the subconscious mind and reprogram those beliefs that got laid down when we were children. So are you theta healing someone or yeah. can they theta heal themselves? I, are you theta, theta healing me right now? Are we being, are we being mm. is every listener being theta healed? I'm consensually healed? being theta healed. Yes. Actually, Alexis. theta healing is very consent-based. Okay, okay. Everything, <laughs> everything I figured it sounds about safety. Yeah. In theta healing, you have to get verbal permission for. I give you permission um, <laughs> me to heal me yeah so so theta healing is one of the modalities that allows us to go in there and reprogram so that our subconscious mind can be on board with who we are and what we want consciously and help us attract that as opposed to accidentally detract us or deter us from having that okay so just a little bit about how a session would work is it the specific that kind of like the binaural beats that you're listening to and, and you obviously are a practitioner of this so how does it work um can someone tune in and do this over the internet yeah okay good um yeah so uh binaural beats help people get into the theta brainwave theta healing is totally different it's learning how to get into the theta brainwave and hold that brainwave and then do specific healing work from holding that brainwave while you're awake and conscious. So, um, yes, it can be done over the internet. I actually moved my theta healing practice solely to online in 2016. I've been only seeing people over zoom except for like special, you know, like when I, you know, travel and see like a private program client who's doing like a special, um, like a day long intensive or something like that, um, where it's in person. I do all my work over zoom and you don't have to be someone you because a lot of times folks hold things in their subconscious unknowingly right so it's not like you have to have a certain level of trauma or this experience to actually reap the benefits of theta i'm i'm making another assumption just based on my scientific brain so anyone can benefit from this practice or modality right yeah okay i mean it's true. Anyone, even if they don't have any trauma, can benefit from theta healing because most likely you received some programming from culture, society, uh, religion, your parents, your grandparents. Maybe it even just got passed down through your genes in your DNA and it's just hanging out in your field from your great, great, great grandpa. Um, we just, uh, in our book, we just read this, this whole study and there's multiple about how their trauma is passed down like four generations. They can take, they can take it back to four generations. And this is, I believe the study came out of like Berkeley or something. So that is legit science as well, which I think is so cool. Yeah. So, so even if there's no trauma, absolutely, absolutely. It can be helpful because you most likely got encoded with something that's not in alignment or agreement with what your adult conscious mind would like to believe about yourself, about life, about the world, about the way that the world works, about your pussy, about your cock, about your body, right? And then honestly, like who in the on the earth right now hasn't experienced some form of trauma between zero and six? Seriously. 
Right. Uh, like, so yeah, I, I, yeah. Give me a call if you're one of those people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would like to meet you and explore your mind and yeah. discover what it was like to be you. They might be an infant. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and they can't pick up the phone right now. But yeah. yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's virtually impossible. I think for for the diversity of trauma could just be neglect. Like I cried, and no one came to me. You know, or exactly. or I got picked up when I didn't want to get picked up. You know, exactly. I'm four, and someone was like, they gave or me a hug, and in I our in my generation, I'm 43 right now. In my generation, like your your weird creepy uncle at the family reunion kisses you on the cheek in a weird way that you don't and you like. No, it you, doesn't feel good. But you yeah. didn't. You weren't ever taught that it was okay to say no. And this is my body. And even if you're mine, used to pull my pants down and show the highway my butt and in your uncle, my, family, my uncle, my weird creepy uncle. Oh geez. Oh boy. Yes. He's okay. no longer. I mean, I, yeah, do I, sh- I. That's why I, I mean. I grew up I like could, totally. So this is what theta healing can work with, like actually. Yeah. So that experience created an imprint in your system and formed beliefs about what is okay for your body to receive what's okay to happen to you whether or not you know like um using your voice do i have a voice so theta healing can go in there and actually target that moment and that experience and work with that memory Mm. and restructure you in that moment so that you learn that you have a voice you have a right to have a voice it's safe for you to have a voice you don't have to tolerate anyone doing anything to your body that you're a no to it's a lot well, about he lost his legs from being an alcoholic mm-hmm. so i kind of feel like karma was a bitch mm-hmm. i could tell you an uncle story over here right, but well, not my well, uncle well, but well. <laughs> actually no he is my uncle anyways we won't talk about my uncle <laughs> goodbye uncle um all right so anyway let's talk about wet so with the the, the i mean yes. and okay as we go into this we were talking about some shitty uncles this is the diversity of the experiences that includes shame pain trauma pleasure all of these pieces so can you tell our listeners i mean you've you described wet and so it's a live online six-week group course and i believe you only take 20 women is that just vulva owning folks i assume can you tell people a little more about that and then how they can sign up when they can sign up when it's happening this is going online next week yeah which is 20 was that august mid-august 2022 next week is i think august like 16th ish yeah yes yeah nice job nailed it you nailed it we're gonna look at exact dates right now as we look and I'm really excited to know more about Theta Healing and I might have to hit you up for one of these sessions. Yes, <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, so what is, uh, it's an online course that I developed for uh, women and specifically for vulva bearers because a lot of what we do is deprogramming and reprogramming the subconscious belief systems that were put upon us as vulva bearers from you know pre-birth all the way through our lives. And that that particular conditioning and speaking to the experience that many vulva bearers have had. Mm -hmm. And so what we do in in the six week course is we meet uh, once a week for two hours on Zoom video. And in that session each week, we do a combination of theta healing to rewire some of these subconscious programs, clear out trauma from the body, from the psyche and reconnect and uh, create the foundation of safety to reconnect with our wetness. Mm. So that might look like clearing out the fear of being killed, 
you know, because we might have that subconscious fear that if I really fully let my wetness all the way out and let it be seen and witnessed that I'm going to be killed for it. So we find all of those subconscious programs that are hanging out in the field, clear them, update them. So you you clear and then you replace with a newer, more mm. resourceful program that's going to so actually So I shouldn't serve. watch crime shows then anymore. No more crime shows, <laughs> Chip. We've been talking about this for years. Damn it. <laughs> um, it could be, you know, re-repeating like that trauma. Like it, watching crime shows can be really April's analyzing right now. Like, That's my maybe some past life. I think I'm yeah. supposed to solve some mysteries. <laughs> or maybe had a violent death. You know, you never know. Pretty sure I did. We, um, we do yeah. believe in past lives over here. Yeah. Around these parts. So we do the theta healing to get at the subconscious beliefs. And then we do kundalini yoga, breath work, meditation, um, specifically meditations like the fists of anger. So we're clearing out anger and resentment towards men the masculine, the patriarchy, all of our lived experiences as vulva bearers. What and about mommy issues? Oh, That's mommy issues, mommy. daddy issues. It's all up in there. Like yeah. everything we got programmed from our moms about sex, sexuality, body shame, all of that. We're doing uh, central intuitive movement. So it's like um, kind of like a mix between kundalini and ecstatic dance where mm. we're doing a lot of spinal flexations and moving the hips and waking up the shakti or the kundalini energy and getting that flowing. We do a lot of somatic release practices, like screaming. Ooh, I love that. That's shaking. why I lost my voice at no. April's birthday. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> I can got to record podcast. I got a good week before I can okay. scream again. All right. I don't know. I'm kind of cutting you off. That. <laughs> and, and then we do live one-on-one um, -on -one coaching within the small group setting. So the women talk about what's coming up for them in their sex lives, in their relationships, in life in general, just being a woman on planet Earth right now. And I do spot coaching, like one-on-one -on -one coaching, but everyone gets to experience because there's so much shared experience, right? So even if a woman is talking about something that you're not dealing with personally, it most likely can hit something similar that you have experienced or dealt with in your life. Mm. Um, so we're going to start the next round of wet on October 4th. Okay. And, and so it's, only, yes. it's only 20, 20 people, people you're taking 20, okay. 20 women max. Get it, get it now. Get it, get, get it. it. Yeah. And uh, you can find out more about that or sign up for it on my website, sovereign-university.com. And if you don't know how to spell sovereign, which I don't, uh, <laughs> uh, just go ahead. There'll be a link on shamelessx.com and can, all the show notes and all, in the show yeah. notes so you can go and just click because sovereign's a hard word sovereign's that, hard i, I would have I, lost I just learned how to it. say it like two years ago how did you say it before so sovereign that's adorable i remember with willow and i was like sovereignty and she's like sovereignty it was yeah anyways so <laughs> sovereign-university.com <laughs> slash wet yes and S O B E R E I G N. I just read that, by the way. <laughs> yes, she did. Uh, although, so, the, and if people want to work with you outside, if they can't join, if they're obviously, if there's more than 20 folks yeah. that sign up, can they work with you as an individual, one on one, yeah. group stuff afterwards? Are there going to be more of these um, sovereign wet university classes? Yes, absolutely. I work with one on one uh, clients. I usually work with clients inside of program containers. So, so it's a minimum of a one month deep dive with me where we meet twice a week, every week and really make some deep transformational shifts in the person's life. And it could be online. Um, it's yeah. actually all online. All online. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can find me through my website.
website. I'm on all the social media as Sovereign University, um, Facebook and Instagram, and Stalker. And you can learn how to spell Sovereign real quick. <laughs> and she just made a great meme or, or post the other day that we want to quote. So yeah, go check it out. Yes. And this episode was not dedicated to cats in the shower, everyone. We're Meow. sorry to disappoint you. And if you're just tuning in now, rewind because we went over. You're not going to be tuning in now. I'm just being funny because <laughs> sometimes we're funny. So Alexis, that was beautiful. Mm. And you are such a light. And of course, I feel so privileged sometimes to live in Santa Cruz because there are these practitioners of all sorts of different modalities that I'm learning about. And I love the fact that we can bring this to the masses because there's people listening from all over the world. So check out Alexis's work. Do you say Alexi or Alexis's? <laughs> Alexis's everyone? Is, yeah. uh, Alexi is when there's more than one Alexis. Okay. Well then check out Alexis's work. Um, and thank you to all of our beautiful shameless sex revolutionaries. I just want to invite you to please give a moment of your day Go and rate us on iTunes. And if you give us five stars, it helps more people out there in the world find people like Alexis and Alexi. She's just one. <laughs> Alexis. Uh, and we really value each and all of your feedback. And also, Spotify is now accepting reviews as well. So give us five stars on there. It just helps more people, again, find this shameless sex way of life. And we wish all of you a beautiful Tuesday. If you're listening on Wednesday, we'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.